It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Tuesday, October 31st, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that might need my own emotional support alligator after this one. I did take a picture with an alligator once. I did. All right. We are going to get into what went right and what went wrong in this game versus Carolina plus we are going to check in with the Phantoms as we do each and every Tuesday, all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here, as always, with Russ Cohen, who's on all your favorite social media apps at Sportsology. And as a show, we are at Locked On Flyers pretty much anywhere out in social media land. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. You can subscribe or follow us for free over on YouTube or on the SiriusXM app or anywhere you listen to podcasts. You'll get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Russ, uh, thanks once again for coming to us live post-game from the Wells Fargo Center parking lot. And uh, we we got our wish. Morgan Frost was back in the lineup for this. Game. He was. Yeah, he was. And, and he showed some good moments. I mean, he was about the only guy on the power play that could, you know, really get, get his own entry with speed. Couturier tried a little bit, wasn't quite as successful. But still after that, they... That power play is just a disaster. It is. I think they only had a couple shots on that on on their entire tries, uh, maybe like two or three. It, the thing about it is there were a lot of rush shots, and, and we could talk about that. But when you're on the power play, there's no need to rush the shot. And if Brink is going to play on the half wall and get that much power play time on the top power play, you have to hit the net. And he didn't, and he went one on three at one point. Like, there was a lot of, uh, you know, even Tippett, like, you know, he got the puck took a shot, but then he tried to go um, to wrap, do a wraparound and he completely shoots it wild. And, you know, once you do that, puck goes the other way. And it's those kinds of things. I'm not saying the guys shouldn't shoot. What I'm saying is shot selection has to be, has to be better. Like when Tippett had the, uh, the breakaway, why did he on a backhand where we really could use only one hand? Why didn't he try and go short side? Why did he go far side where he completely misses the net? Like there's there's things like this that really for a game that the Flyers were getting, you know, killed early on, even though it was tied, they could have won it, but they didn't. Yeah, I think, you know, with the power play, they were actually getting some chances, especially in the third period on the power play. Um, they did get four shots on goal. Uh, in the power play in the third period, seven total overall, and okay. uh, five of them were high danger chances. So I do want to give them a little bit of credit there, but that's more than I thought. So I'll give them credit on that. But yeah, 
Yeah, but it wasn't successful ultimately. And and that's where maybe the shot selection portion comes into play here, right? Where, you know, Anderson made some incredible saves. Don't want to take that no question. away. Don't want to take that away from him. But when you have five power play opportunities and don't convert on any of them, that is going to affect the outcome of a game like this. That's that's really close, you know, uh, on the scoreboard. Uh, I think that on the ice, especially in that second period, the second period, I think the Flyers did not look real good and they were playing on their heels for a good portion of that game. Um, I think that the Flyers were kind of flailing defensively to try and stop that speed. And and the way that Carolina was managing zone entries, I think was just beautiful to be honest. And, And the Flyers were having a lot of trouble with that, but I do think they the Flyers kind of got it back together in the third period. They just like they just couldn't make it happen. No, they did. I think they did get it together in the third period. Um, you know, Tara Vane spoke after the game, and uh, they weren't happy, obviously, with the amount of turnovers and uh, and the power plays that they gave up. But uh, in the end, what they really did well after his goal was for two minutes and twenty seconds, they completely shut the Flyers down. They couldn't even get the puck in their own end until the very end, and they could never pull Carter Hart. That's a big fail, and that's, again, we've talked about that six-on-five stuff. Right, and they did talk on the broadcast about, you know, the, the Flyers are not taking a timeout here. Now, there was sort of a, a... Right, I was wondering that, too. That's a good point. Yeah, and I think that there was enough of a break where maybe they felt like they were getting enough rest and couldn't do that, but I think that even taking the timeout would have given them time to maybe plan something a little bit more uh, complete and to have a a better option to get Carter Hart off the ice at that point. I just think that after all of the effort that the Flyers put in and all those shots and all those high danger chances they had late in the game for none of them to go. And then for Tara Vinen to break through on Carter Hart after Carter Hart made some unbelievable saves. Unbelievable saves. Like some of the best he's made all year. It's just like he deserved a better fate. And, and yeah. that was where, like, you know, when the Taravainen shot went in, I was like, uh, you know, that's you feel bad for the goalie. Yeah. But then you're like, all right, look, there's 220 left. Let's see what they can do with it. And they didn't do anything with it. Yeah. And I feel like that is the kind of thing they need to come back from a little better. And they need yeah. to be a little bit more resilient and not, um, you know, flail with the puck. Like I said, I feel like there was just some real like nervous energy, errant passes happening. And everybody was, I I felt like the effort was there, but just like they don't have the discipline to make it more of of a a mechanical effort on them. It was just a lot of like, we just got to try anything and everything. And nobody was like working in conjunction with each other in those last couple of minutes. Yeah, even Travis Konecki didn't have a good game. And I kind of wonder now, was he like thinking too much about last game just because of the one turnover? You know, you wonder because he was off his game too. You know, looking for some more bright spots here to take away from it. I do think Morgan Frost looked pretty solid in this one. And I think he earned a chance at another game here. Um, and I do honestly think that it was very interesting to have Scott Lawton on that fourth line as center because I think that line performed better. Overall, in this game, that fourth line, Garnet Hathaway was able to get a goal in this one. And I, I know he didn't have the primary assist on this one, but if you look at Scott Lawton's play on that entire sequence, 
Like it was really strong, really solid. His effort made that play happen. And I, you know, as much as we talk about uh, wanting to put Scott Lawton back on the wing to a large degree, and I still like ultimately agree with that. I do think he looked really good at center on that fourth line. No, he did. He made something happen because I'll admit it. I tweeted and said, you know, these guys haven't scored a point all year and he got them to mm-hmm. to generate some offense. So I do think Lawton had a real positive effect. You know, Frost did make a really good play around uh, behind the net to set up a scoring yep. chance. Uh, you know, I did see that. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's done enough to, to earn a spot, but I'm also going to tell you like, Tyson Forrester didn't have a good game. Like, you know, again, if nothing else, Frost could earn a spot just because maybe Forrester should sit a game or two. So they're going to have to worry about or think about those kinds of things. But, yeah, Lawton, if nothing else, keep Frost in, keep Lawton on the fourth line because he did make it better. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. And, you know, I do think that this is a, a tough loss in a much different way than the loss was to the Ducks, we talked about what they could learn from that loss to the to the Ducks. And I think this is a different kind of loss where there's other things that they can learn from um, and bring forward to future games uh, in terms of, you know, keeping calm under pressure and just getting the muscle memory of some of these passing sequences locked down so that they can, you know, play with confidence when they feel like they're scrambling in a way that they did not in this game. Yeah, like you know, like you said, and I was surprised at the shot total actually. They did do better, a little better on the power play late, but there were just times when it you could tell they hadn't practiced it. And you could especially tell with Frost at the beginning, because like that's really hard for him to break in on that and try and do something when he mm-hmm. hasn't been playing. And he did. And he did eventually, but it, you know, but it took a little while. So you know, if they aren't going to practice the power play, they do need to practice their passing. I, I agree with that because I think that could do a lot because guys like Atkinson, he's almost having to be a playmaker here because it's just nothing else was going, you know, on his line. You know, same with Farabee. These guys well, are trying to set up plays rather than trying to score goals at times. Although you did see Cam Atkinson toward the end when he had a two-on-one with Tippett and he took the shot instead of making the pass, which was the right move to make despite it not going in. Well, it was. And also because the defense decided we're just not going to let you pass it to Tippett and Anderson then knew I'm going to play the shooter. So he did the right thing for sure. But I think it was smart on Carolina to say, all right, we're not going to play Atkinson because then he's going to try and get it to Tippett. So, you know, I mean, again, that's where... Atkinson does the right thing, but I feel like he could have probably tried to score a few more in this game because there were opportunities, but he's trying to set up guys. And so is Farabee. And that, and that's the thing. That's, that's the tough part when you're not getting a lot of, you know, they don't have a lot of playmakers out there at times. Well, again, lots to take away from this one, lots to learn moving forward. And uh, we hope that the Flyers can continue to make strides uh, later this week against Buffalo. In the meantime, we've got a minor league affiliate in the Lehigh Valley Phantoms to talk about, and we'll do that coming up next. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. 
If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app's so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and get into the action this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. We've got a home and home coming up against the Buffalo Sabres. And in order to preview those matchups, we're welcoming friend of the show, Joe Yurden back. It's going to be a great conversation. So stay tuned for that on tomorrow's show. And we'll also be having a mailbag this week. So get those questions in. You can email us at lockdownflyers at Gmail. You can send us a message on Twitter or comment over on our YouTube channel. So the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, uh, weird weekend, only a two-game weekend this week. There's apparently an illness going around the team. So Tanner Lazinski was out yeah. for both games this past weekend. Um, a little unclear as far as other scratches that may have been illness-related as well. Of course, the uh, bigger part of the Phantoms update here was that, as we know, Emil Andre was sent down. And so these were his first couple of games back with the Phantoms. And uh, unfortunately, like about 30 seconds into the game on Sunday, there was a collision on the ice and he left the game at that point. Um, as of recording this show, we don't have an update on his injury status yet. So that's a to-be-determined situation. Um, and then, uh, of course, the Phantoms, rightfully, uh, they held a moment of silence for Adam Johnson at yeah. Sunday's game. Um, as we mentioned, he spent some time on the Phantoms as well as the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in the AHL. Um, it was just really lovely what they did for him. Um, and they they made up a jersey on Sunday and hung it on the bench during warm-ups. Um, you know, of the hey, didn't they have his number on their helmets? Yeah, yeah, which was nice, very nice. They did a great job. They did. Uh, so you know, just kind of a weirdness around. The well, there's a whole thing. I don't want to get too far into it, but you know, there are former players that are saying there should be like formal charges going on here. I refuse to look at the video, so I can't comment. But again, I don't know what's in someone's head to say if this was like, you know, on purpose or even if it was on purpose, was it accidental? But it, it happened because the person made the action. I don't know. But if you go on Twitter, you'll see some strong, strong opinions on that. And I just prefer to wait until the police do their job over there. Yeah, I think that's the best course of action for us to take. Uh, in the meantime, there was hockey this weekend, uh, Saturday. Was there, though? Well, <laughs> that's part of what we got to get into here. Uh, the Phantoms lost both games this weekend, uh, four to nothing to Hershey on Saturday, four to one versus Hartford on Sunday. And I think that these are two very different kinds of losses we had here this weekend where the loss to Hershey and uh, Lappy talked about this post game a little bit, but I think with Hershey being such a good team, they, they got, they played scared for the first like 10, 15 minutes of the game. And they, they finally got back into it, but they just couldn't get one in. They did wind up like out shooting Hershey in that game uh, when it all was said and done. But 
you know, they're just a tough team to play against. But I, I do think that they did come back from that initial lull. Whereas the game on Hartford, I think was, you know, that was just a mess where they had a long stretch without getting any shots on goal. And they they just got too bogged down in the physicality of it. And that Hartford team has a couple of like very tall gentlemen playing on oh, it. Oh, yeah. And, and really what happened is Garrett Wilson got sucked into fights and he got into a fight early in the game. And then you can't get into a second fight or you you get tossed. And he got a misconduct later in the game. But it, there was like three sets of incidents in that game. And I felt like this game was dominated more by the veterans doing AHL style physical fighty hockey as opposed to you know really trying to put together like an actual hockey plan here yeah i mean but we talk about a lot of these same things with the nhl team my feeling is is this they're in sixth place right now unacceptable they're 14th on the power play unacceptable they're ninth on the penalty kill unacceptable you can give me any excuse you want on the opening game, and I don't care if they outshot them. You still didn't score. You still lost 4 nothing. Are they a good team? Sure. Yes, they are a good team. Are you a good team? That's the question you have to ask yourself now. Because now after these two games, there's a load of players that we've talked about down here that are underperforming. They just are. And and it's a little, it's a little worrisome. It's early in the season. I get it. But the problem with the AHL season is – it creeps up on you because it's not an everyday thing like the NHL is. And that's where, you know, if you get into these bad habits and you blow a couple weekends, two or three weekends in a row, you really could fall behind. Yeah. And I think that is a big deal, especially when you get a two game weekend where you don't have the exhaustion factor in that Correct. Sunday game. I think that, you know, you really do need to take advantage of those weekends and get all the points you can. Now, I think that there are some bright spots here. So if you look at the second line they have going with um, Denoye centering Lixell and Tuomala, we talked about them last week. This is a fantastic mm -hmm. line. It's good for all three of them developmentally. Um, Ali Lixell is having a tremendous season here. He leads the team in shots uh, on yep. goal and he's scoring. And I think, you know, Denoye is getting better as a two-way player than he was before. And um, I think we still continue to see like bright spots from Tuomala. Man, his speed, just like it is tremendous to watch. And he's mm -hmm. just, I think that is, is the issue for me with this line is like, how do we get Tuomala more engaged offensively to be the one taking the shots and get the balance of that line a little bit better uh, so that he is more activated offensively and gains confidence. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing with Tuamala. I think um, right now you see the talent there, but you also see the reason maybe why he hasn't really put together a big season yet. And, you know, he's doing okay. Four points in seven games is okay. Uh, I think even though he's 20, I feel like he should be doing a little better because of the, you know, overseas playing that he had done but honestly he hadn't played a lot of games so it's really hard to uh, evaluate him right now but at least things are going okay with Lixell it's easy to evaluate he, he's 24 so if everybody wants to use that catchphrase well you know we want players 25 and under well he's one of them 
he has six goals in seven games. Last year he had 14 goals, so he's going to pass that. He has only played eight games in the NHL. Like, that's it, eight games. And so at some point, if they don't give him a chance, you know, he could turn into Jonathan Marcheseau or somebody like that somewhere else. Like, yeah. that's the risk here for Ali Lexell because I feel like he's doing everything you would ask him to do. And I just feel like it, it may not matter. It may have come down to injuries as the only reason maybe he gets called up. But he's doing his part. He absolutely is. And he was the only goal scorer for the Phantoms in the whole weekend. Um, he did score that one goal uh, versus Hartford on Sunday. And um, and Denoye is disappointing. Very um, disappointing. Yeah, is. I think that I'm of two minds on this because I think offensively and that purely by numbers, yes, you would absolutely say that for sure. Um, right now he has a goal and two assists in seven games and, and that's just not good enough. Right. No. I, I think that that's, and that's what the team is looking for. That's what the organization is looking for is to get him more points on the board but again, I really feel like that there's a balance issue on that line. And Denoye is trying to play more of a two-way game in this scenario because Lixel's well, He's trying to do that anyhow. Like he has to yeah. do that just to survive in, in pro hockey. Right. But he did it better last year. Right. And I and that's where I, I feel like this line needs to balance out a little better and they need to figure some stuff out um to get Denoye some more opportunities here. And um I think that that is a huge part of it, but I absolutely agree that he needs to step it up offensively. And I think just for a team perspective and an individual perspective, I think that is going to be very important. I'm also curious to see um, how that is going to get affected as J.R. Avon uh, gets more and more ice time and is more and more a factor in the lineup. You know, he started last weekend on the fourth line played on the fourth line on Saturday's game. They moved him up to the third line on Sunday's game and he got a few more minutes there. And I, I'm just very curious as to where he'll fit in to this picture and who they're going to put him on a line with to try and, you know, kind of jumpstart his development a little bit because he did miss those games. And I want to mention, you know, Cooper Marodi in the sense that, uh, I remember him in his draft year. I picked him as a draft sleeper. You know, he came up early, probably too early. Uh, you know, and he kicked around. He hasn't had a lot of NHL games. But in the AHL, he's been a really good player. Yeah. And and he has not been rewarded at all by the organization, even for a game. And it just kind of makes me wonder, like, why not? There have been opportunities in the last two years. And last year, he had a terrific year. And this year, he's having another good year. And it's just, yeah. why not? And I don't know an answer. Yeah, I, I don't know either, um, but I do think that they're trying to work with what they got at the NHL level right now and, and figure things out before they make any call-ups or, or, or switch anything around from a roster perspective on the forward side. Um, and I think right. on defense, they're more than happy to, right? Like they yeah. bring up Louis Belpedio, who we know is going to fade at the NHL level. We really don't know what Cooper Marodi would do. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think he's having a really good season so far, so... We'll see, but th there's more guys to talk about. We do need to talk about that blue line um, and what mm -hmm. is going on there, especially given the potential Emil Andre injury. And we will get to that coming up next.
You know that feeling when your favorite Flyers player scores a hat trick? If you want to get that feeling and win 100 times your money, play Daily Fantasy Hockey on the Sleeper app. As the official Daily Fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network, Sleeper is our top choice for Daily Fantasy sports, especially Daily Fantasy hockey. You can win 100 times your cash in Daily Fantasy hockey contests. You can also play Daily Fantasy NFL, NBA, MLB, and college football. Plus, entries can be made in under a minute with elite NHL players like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, and Austin Matthews, plus the new guys like Connor Bedard. All you need to do is make more or less picks on stats for those stars. You choose from stats like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more to win a hundred times spent on sleeper. You have to correctly pick the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Flyers fans. You can win a hundred times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleeper. So start paying attention and get those picks right so you can win big. Use the promo code locked on NHL and you'll get up to a hundred dollars match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code locked on NHL, all one word. See terms of use for details and locational availability. So uh, wading back into our phantoms conversation, Wade Allison. Uh, sorry, that was a terrible pun. Uh, we talked We talked about him last week, and I just wanted to do a quick check-in on him because, um, you know, we saw that he got bumped down to the fourth line last week. They did move him back up to that first line on Sunday. And, you know, we didn't see the results, obviously, because we, we didn't get any goals from anybody, really, <laughs> this weekend. Right. Um, but I will say, I feel like there's more just of a focus there to his game. Um, I think he is maybe about to turn that corner in terms of figuring out what he needs to do at Lehigh I mean, Valley. He better. This is or make, his make it or break it year. Like, this is it. Yeah. They're not going to sign him again if he doesn't turn the corner. No, but I, it feels like he's he's getting there. Um, And with some of the shuffling that happened, I think he just needs to, like, adjust a, a little bit. So, you know, to be continued, I think, on that conversation. But I do want to talk about the blue line because with the return of Emil Andre, they broke up that um, Jenning and Adder pairing, which I understand why they did it to some degree, because like on paper, Emil Andre and Ronnie Adder, I think, make a, a good combination. Mm-hmm. But I almost think it would have been better with Jenning, Andre and Jenning playing together. I think, you know, a similar background. And I think Jenning is more of a stay-at-home defenseman and Andre wants to get activated offensively. So I wasn't entirely sure why they picked Ronnie Adderd to go with Emil Andre, but, you know, I don't think it's bad. I just maybe would have gone the other. I know it's like sides of ice situation and comfort level there, but I just feel like they could have made it work the other way. Why couldn't they just make, go ahead. Well, but then your other option is keeping Jenning and Adder together Correct. because that has been good for both of them, I think. And then putting and why up, is that why not is possible? It, and why didn't they put Emil Andre with Helge Granz like they had at camp that was actually right. pretty solid? Right. So why? What's why did they break them up? The explanation that I have come up with again not sure if it's true, but the explanation that I have come up with is that 
clearly they decided that Adderd and Jenning were not ready for call-ups, right? For whatever reason, they decided. Yeah, they, 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 oh yeah. Cause John talked about that. Right. He said they're not ready. He said that Even they're. Though, like, I spoke to people who cover the team and we've talked about it. We all felt like if nobody else, Jenning was ready. Correct. And so for whatever reason, they've decided that those two are not ready for a call up and maybe breaking them up will kick something into gear for them that will get them closer to being ready. That there's maybe there's a dependency there that they feel like they need to to see what they a look like with other playing people. well together because God forbid one day they actually bring up the pairing. See, here's 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 what I'm going to say that I am not against. I am not against at some point this year, if they brought up that pairing together and, you know, whether they trade Nick Sealer and whatever else, whoever else is, you know, if Mark Stahl's back, whatever, they start trading them early. I'm fine with that. I think there's a point where you've got to, and I don't care if they're on the third pairing in the NHL, because if they're playing together and they played enough minutes together this year in the AHL, it's going to be okay because that's how you get chemistry going. I've seen teams do this. We saw the Sabres do this years ago after the lockout. They brought up complete lines, and those lines worked in the NHL. It could happen, but it's, it's just like the Flyers don't want it to happen. The other possibility is they know that Jenning is in a better spot right now than Adderd, and they think it's better for Ethan Sampson to have somebody like Jenning playing with him at this so point. now I'm going to bring up something. But so I did, some, I, don't know. I just did a deep dive. I did a deep dive on Ethan Sampson. Thanks to our friends at Instat. And so, you know, after four games, he, and again, he's gotten more opportunity lately. You know, he's, he's got two points. He's a plus two. He's, he's averaging two and a half shots a game. 70% of his shots are getting on goal. Rachel, 70%. Yep. yep. Only four minutes of penalty time, which isn't much. And, you know, one hit for one hit against, that's fine. So what does that tell me? Going by Ethan Sansom's past, he is one of those guys, more opportunity, yep. more points. Yep. And I hope the coaching staff understands that. Like, it's not, it shouldn't be just me kind of saying it. Now, they've, they're giving him a chance now, and he's passing the grade. And he's going to continue to pass the grade. Like, he may pass he may pass over some of the other defensemen in that system. But again, they're finding this out because Louis Belpedio is not there. Right. But I think that I, I hope they understand at some point that he's better and his ceiling is much higher than Louis Belpedio. Right. Well, right. And I think that maybe that's like the sort of one B explanation here when maybe. I'm talking about the Samson situation, because if they're seeing these little sparks of, of, of great things from him, maybe them putting, putting him with Jinning is a message to Ronnie Adder. Yeah. And he's getting 15 minutes of ice time and, and that's good. I mean, yeah. he's 20 and this is his first pro year. And the fact that he's handling an average, which means he's had more some games with more, some with less of 15 minutes is good. Like, and this is a guy we talked about. This is a, you know, a potential diamond in the rough here. I think so. But I think there's a lot of questions that are coming out of it, all of this right now. I think that we won't get answers for probably another couple of weeks in terms of how things right. shake out. Obviously, the Andre injury is going to be a huge factor here. What they decide to do on the flyer side of things, if you know Mete or Belpedio come back down at any point, 
So I think, again, all of this is more of a to be continued conversation, but we're seeing little bits and little moves here that could be sending significant signals about the development paths of a lot of these guys on the blue line. Right. But only happening because they're actually getting a chance because of call-ups indirectly though. It wasn't like they decided on this, Rachel. That's, that's the funny thing that we've noticed. uh, I would say in the last couple of years with John a little bit uh, is that a lot of times they're getting production when they don't expect it because they make a move and it's actually the other move they weren't thinking about that just kind of happened that turns out to be the better one. And I, so far, I think that's what's happening here because I don't think Belpedio is going to stick with the Flyers. But if he comes down, uh, maybe they've, you know, they'll be at a point where they say, okay, Ethan Sampson's kind of, you know, we got to kind of have to keep him here. So either we move down like Andre or we put Belpedio on the third pair and just give more minutes when we need to. But, you know, we got to start worrying about the future with some of these guys. Yep, absolutely. So there are three games this week. Luckily, it's not three games in a row. So we've got a Wednesday game at Hershey again. We've got a Friday game against Hartford and then Saturday at Springfield. So a lot of opportunities this weekend with a day break in the worked in there. So that's real good. Uh, We'll check on the Phantoms again next Tuesday and hopefully have some good updates to give you. That'll do it for today's show. Again, on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk to Joe Yurden and get that Sabres perspective. Very excited about that. Uh, as a reminder, we always want to hear from you. And you can send in those mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. Email us at Flyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S. O-L-O-G-Y. Have a great day, everyone.